happened across this little story, and it actually is a story of um, a person I was in seminary with, his, his child. And the story goes this way. His little four-year-old son came in and told his dad all the terrible things that had happened that day. And all, everything had gone wrong. So his dad, the Episcopal priest, looks at him and says, well, what'd you do? And the kid looked up and in four-year-old words looked at him and just said, well, I just dealed with it. <laughs> I just dealed with it. And um, I think probably all of us have had those times in our life when we just had to deal with it. Whatever was happening, it might have been a good thing. It might have been a terrible thing. It might have been something that totally disrupted our lives. But at that moment, we had to just deal with it. And I rather think that perhaps that's where John the Baptist is today. He is baptizing people and crying repentance and all of this stuff that he's been doing and people have been coming from all around. And I don't think that we really get how serious that is, because baptism is pretty common for us. I mean, we baptize everybody. But Jews were not baptized. I told you that before. Jews were not baptized. They were God's holy chosen people. They didn't need to be baptized. They were a member of the in-group. And not only is John calling for baptism, but he's calling them to be baptized for repentance. Now, that did not mean... Gosh, I'm just so sorry, Ellen, for what I did to you the other day. I'm so sorry. That was not what the repentance meant. The repentance that John is talking about is turning your life totally around, going a new way. He's telling them that they are not living as the people of God. And so he is doing this radical baptism. So, he's in the midst of one of his preaching and teaching and baptizing times, and he sees Jesus coming. And we don't know why, but inside, something happens, and he recognizes that this is the one who is to come. He's been telling everybody, There's one coming that is greater than I am. And the Jewish nation had been waiting for this one to come for quite a while. So the prophets had all spoken to it. And all of a sudden, John sees Jesus. Now, remember, they're cousins. Inevitably, they saw each other at some point occasionally in their um, growing up years. But he knows. He sees something Inside him recognizes that this is the one. And it's what I would call a holy moment for John. And we've probably had those. You've probably had that yourself 
when somebody either spoke into your life or said something or did something, and maybe it was even one of those things that we read like Mary that you pondered in your heart for a long time. I had that experience when I was um, going to a healing mission. And I walked in, and this woman I had never laid eyes on before walked up to me and said, God told me to give you this verse from Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a hope, a future. And I'm like, yeah, right. Sure, you don't even know me. Well, about four more people that weekend came up to me with that verse. And I began to believe. It was a holy moment. One of those things that I pondered in my heart. What does this really mean? And it was the thing that as I pondered it and prayed for it about it and all that, led me to go to seminary, to feel called to the priesthood. So we've had holy moments. I know you have. You might not have recognized it right then as a holy moment. But Jesus has come up. So it's a holy moment for John. He doesn't want to baptize Jesus. He knows Jesus doesn't need baptized. And, John, and Jesus says, yes, I need you to do it. This is what's right for now. And so picture this. Picture this. We're in the water. John's in the water. What does he feel when he touches Jesus and puts him in that water? And raises him up again. I've been thinking about that this week. What was it like? And then, while he probably still has his hands on Jesus, the sky opens, a voice comes down saying, This is my son, the beloved. I'm well pleased with him. Now, those words were words of Old Testament scripture. The first... um, One of them came from Isaiah, which Sue read today. And the other one was from a psalm, the one that says, this is my beloved son. But imagine the amazement on John and the other people. We don't know if there were a hundred other people there. What did they think and feel at that moment? It was another holy moment. So... Where am I in my notes here? Okay, so Jesus has overridden um, John's reluctance to baptize him, and Jesus takes charge of the situation. So, John was not expecting this to happen. He was not expecting to baptize Jesus. He was not expecting the um, outpouring that happened when he did. He was um, reluctant to do it, which makes me think that um, we're often reluctant to do what we're called to do. We're often reluctant or hesitant or just kind of, oh, they can't really mean me. You know, when that person came up to me with that scripture, I was like, okay, yeah, you don't even know me. But so we're often reluctant to go where we're being called to go. 
So, as Jesus is baptized, his, his identity and his humanity really combine to begin the journey. And he is going to be spending the next few weeks, we'll be hearing all about things that Jesus did before we get to Lent and, the, and Easter. And so, as he begins his journey of ministry, I think perhaps it might be the time in Epiphany for us to begin a deeper spiritual journey, to just go a little further than we've gone before. Epiphany is a season of light, of revelation, of seeing things in a new and different way. And that's exactly what was happening at the baptism. God was revealing himself in a new way, becoming human, experiencing what we're experiencing, and identifying with each and every one of us. Now, this passage really begins at the beginning of chapter 3 when Matthew is writing to his Jewish readers and he says the words, In this time, at this time, he wants his Jewish readers to understand that those words um, mean God is working. At this time, in this moment, God is working. He's acted in history and he is going to continue to act all the way through our history. So, John's reluctance to baptize Jesus speaks to our reluctance to want to go out on the limb sometimes with people, to do a little more than we think that we should be doing. I think it also tells us we need to look for Jesus in unexpected places, making an appearance when we least expect him to, and see him in the face of one another, to see the image of God in each face we meet, because that's what we're told is going to happen as we grow in grace. As Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened. God makes a pronouncement. This is my son. And most of us probably were baptized as infants. And I doubt that the heavens opened that day. But as an infant, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ own forever. He made his presence known inside of you. And if you were an adult, it was even more powerful because you really realized what you were doing. But your mother and dad and whoever stood in faith for this infant. And I always liked it after we baptized babies because we got to walk up and down the aisle and say, here's the newest little Christian. Welcome him or her in. But at Jesus' baptism, God said, this is my son. I'm well pleased with him. And I think that we need to remember that at our baptism, God was also saying, this is my son. This is my daughter. 
I am well pleased with this person. I want him to grow or her to grow into the fullness of the life that I have for him. So, it's an amazing thing. And it's something that as we begin to read the Acts passage today, we realize, because we're on chapter 10, that Peter is actually beginning to grasp the fullness of what God has come to do. Because he says, remember, the holy nation was who? The Jews. They were in, the Gentiles were out. And Peter says in Acts, not the first chapter, notice, because he hadn't quite gotten it yet. He says, I now fully realize that God's people, all people are God's people. God doesn't have favorites. That's often hard for us to realize because don't you have some favorites? Um, Favorite people, maybe even at times you had a favorite child when the other one was being obnoxious. But, you know, God doesn't have favorites. We're all invited in. We're all a part of the family. So as Peter is learning that and preaching that, and believe me, they're still going to wrestle with that in the book of Acts. Peter is learning to understand Jesus in a deeper way than ever before. So what happens when we begin to understand something in a deeper way? I think our comfort level has to expand. You know, I have to entertain ideas that maybe I didn't want to entertain before. And I think that's what Jesus likes to do. Challenge our comfort zones. Invite us to see things more openly, differently. He's here to change lives. He's here to open hearts. He's here to bless. And he's here to challenge us. We're just going to have to deal with it because he's here to challenge us to move more deeply into his presence. He's here. He's here today. And there's a song that says, he is here. He is moving among us. He is here. Do you remember the words? You can say them. As we gather in his name. He is here, and he wants to work a, anybody know? Wonder. He is here, and he wants to work a wonder in our lives, which means he's going to challenge us to move deeper. He's going to teach us to open our hearts more. He's going to enable us, hopefully, to see the face of Jesus in all the people that we meet and to open our hearts to them. And so, my brothers and sisters in Christ, he is here. He is here. Let us enjoy his presence. Let us move into it in a deeper way. Amen.